This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 15th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. There are legitimate reasons to take issue with China's trade practices, but the White House, in its response, leapt immediately to tariffs. Simon Lester, a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute, is author of the new paper, Disciplining China's Trade Practices at the WTO, How WTO Complaints Can Help Make China More Market-Oriented. We spoke this week. The president and a lot of his acolytes in the the Trump administration have tried to make great hay out of the fact that China engages in intellectual property theft, that their rules for engaging with China on trade deals are very stringent and often require the transfer of technology to Chinese entities. And while you and I, we can have a reasonable debate about you know, why this is problematic, and it certainly is, but the response from the administration is tariffs, 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 and so far, the US and China have essentially tried to say, who's going to blink first in a trade war? That's right. There's a, there's a wide range of concerns about China's trade practices. and it, it, It's sort of the basics like high tariffs, it's subsidies, um, the use of state-owned enterprises to discriminate against foreign, uh, foreign companies. It's the intellectual property theft that you talked about. And I think you know everyone generally agrees that these are problems. And the question is, well, what's the solution? What do we do? And the the, the Trump administration has um, pushed forward with you know one answer only, and that's tariffs. And going into this, uh, when they started, there was a lot of criticism from people like me and others saying this isn't going to work. Um, China doesn't want to be bullied by like that. China has a lot of pride. They're not just going to back down under these threats. And, and so far, that's what we've seen. I mean, China responded to U.S. tariffs with its own tariffs. So all we have um, out of this whole situation is higher tariffs. Now, it's not clear to me what exactly the Trump administration is thinking here, but one possibility is they just wanted an excuse for tariffs, <laughs> and this was their this was their way to get it. They, you know, here's an accusation we can make against China that has some legitimacy. That'll be our excuse for tariffs, and we like tariffs. And you know, a, a number of people, including Trump and uh, U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and others in the administration, have have praised tariffs at, at various times, and it makes you wonder, you know, how much do they actually care about opening the Chinese market or cracking down on bad Chinese practices, and how how much did they just want an excuse to impose some tariffs? Okay. So if that's the pretext, uh, we should take at face value the claims about why these tariffs are necessary and what is your proposed uh, better way of dealing with it. Right. So. One obvious you know, possibility is to bring complaints at the World Trade Organization. And the Trump administration has been critical of that, saying, well, you know, China can't be trusted to play by the rules. And um, so, you know, the WTO isn't really an effective remedy here. So what I did, and this is part of a paper that's coming out today, so well, let me look at all the complaints that have been brought against China at the WTO since they joined in 2001. And so I counted up 41 of them. Some of them are kind of recent, haven't, haven't been resolved yet. But the ones that had um, China in every case where where China was the subject of a complaint um, and, and either lost uh, uh, by in a you know, judicial ruling or settled, China took some action to come into compliance to to expand its market access, and that that's that's a pretty good record um, if you compare it to say the United States, the European Union. Um, there are examples where those those uh, governments just ignored the ruling completely. So China's done pretty well at complying with WTO rulings, and so. 
my argument is, well, bring more cases against them. That seems to be one way to get them to respond. They would like to see they, – they don't like unilateralism. They want a third-party adjudicator to come in and tell them they're doing something illegal. And in that case, they have tended to comply. Now, I'm not going to argue that China's domestic judicial system is wonderful and that everything is you know, sort of uh, non-arbitrary in their, in their domestic system. But when I look at the WTO rulings on China's practices, they do pretty well. I do think there are some gaps in the rules and there are some room there's room for proposals to ex expand the rules on subsidies um, and on state-owned enterprises to 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 bring greater discipline to China um, but we really should make use of the rules that we have it has worked in the past it would work in the future there is another line of thinking uh, relating to the WTO specifically and uh, tangentially related to China is that the Trump administration just wants to tear down existing institutions that govern trade today. And while free trade really isn't on the table, truly free trade is not really on the table, a sort of managed trade with uh, you know, what people hope is an honest tradesman in, in the middle sort of helping grease the skids and, and help facilitate trade around the world. Yeah, there is a real fear of that. And if you look at what the Trump administration has done with the, the trade deal we have with Korea and what they've done with NAFTA, um, there was certainly talk of, of withdrawing from, from those agreements. Um, what they have done, you know, it looks like for now in reality is, you know, uh, reconfigure them a bit, tweak them a bit. Um, the, the Korea-US trade agreement only had really modest tweaks. The NAFTA, maybe slightly more uh, significant. Um, so if you're looking for signs of hope, um, the withdrawal threats and the attacks on these institutions are really just negotiating tactics to get a little more at the margins. Um, so the other big uh, trade institution out there is the, the World Trade Organization, the WTO. And there are actions the Trump administration is taking that really threaten its dispute settlement system. And there, there have been occasional references by Trump to withdrawing from WTO. So we do have to watch this. Um, I think it's unlikely just because uh, there are enough actors within the Trump administration who recognize the, the value and importance of it. And we are most likely, I think, um, just to end up with what we had with NAFTA and the Korea-US trade agreement, which is some modest tweaks. Um, but, but, but really, you know, the way the Trump administration approaches these things, anything is possible. And you know, we can't rule out the, the, the possibility that they will say, oh, yeah, we've had enough of the WTO, we're, we're withdrawing. And so you know, it's, it's incumbent on all of us to sort of make the case for why these institutions are important um, and they are under threat, but but hopefully we end up with modest tweaks rather than you know wholesale withdrawal. Scott Lincecum, who just wrote a paper for the Cato Institute, talks a, a little bit about how uh, Republicans seem fairly malleable when it comes to their views of trade, and yet there was no truly protectionist moment in a sense. Uh, when you look at the the trade deal between the United States with Mexico and Canada, not that much changed. The core of it sort of stayed the same. The national security tariffs on steel and aluminum, of course, are he, he argues are more problematic. But with, with now that Democrats, who according to some recent polling, are more free trade than they've been in a long time, have retaken the House, is there any reason to expect an attempt to claw back some of these authorities that have been delegated to the White House over so many decades? The Democrats are in a really interesting position here. So the Trump administration, as part of the NAFTA renegotiation, pushed for things that 
uh, Democrats tend to like. And the U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer was explicit about this. He was going to try to come up with a bipartisan trade agreement. And so there are provisions on there on in the, in the new NAFTA on, um, on, on labor rights and wage levels that are beyond anything we've ever seen in a trade agreement, um, beyond anything that the Democrats got out of President Obama. So to some extent, the Democrats, you know, the, the new Democratic House should be in theory, thankful for what they've gotten and just jump on board and vote for this new NAFTA. Um, on the other hand, they don't like Trump. Um, and so they probably won't just jump on board with Trump's latest uh, you know, uh, policy accomplishment. And they're going to push back, push back a bit in some way. But I think over the coming months, what they have to do is figure out exactly to what extent they want to work with the Trump administration on trade, um, what exactly is their agenda? And I, I don't think they're there yet. I mean, I think they're behind the scenes sort of you know, arguing and trying to decide, well, where do we come out on these things? And they'll probably look for cues from important you know, constituents like the AFL-CIO. Um, but yeah, there's certainly the possibility of pushing back against the Trump administration, and you have this maybe this disconnect between the Democratic voters and the Democratic politicians. So, so I think you know we're going to have to watch how it evolves, and I think we just don't know yet where the Democrats are going to go with all this. Simon Lester is author of Disciplining China's Trade Practices at the WTO, available today at Cato.org. You can rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.